We are going to continue our leadership series, and I'll be talking to you this morning on the topic, the benefits of loyalty. The benefits of loyalty. There is a movie that is uh, made out of a dog in China, and the, the, the story says that this dog had a master, and every morning, the master went to the train station with the dog, got into the train, went to work, and the dog went back home. They did like that for several years. And one day, this man went to war and never came back because he had an accident and he died. And they said for two years, the dog continued to leave the house every morning, go sit at the train station, cry, then come back home for two years. And he says that there's a statue that is made somewhere in China in memory of that dog. How loyal this dog was to the master. And some days ago, I was watching an argument on Facebook about a lady that was divorced. And the reason why she was, uh, this argument sparked up on Facebook was that she was complaining that after she divorced her husband, some of her friends and family members are still friends with her ex-husband. So she wanted all her friends and family members to cut off from her ex-husband. And then people were asking a question. So are we supposed to be loyal to you in whatever decision you make in your life? Like we don't have a choice in whatever we are doing. And then recently again, there is a Cameroon musician that all of you may know from Cameroon. The first song that he sang, he said in French, Je suis votre libérateur, je vais mourir pour vous. Saying that I am liberated, I am liberated, I'm going to die for you. But recently he was arrested. After being tortured in jail, he came out and said, look, I'm not dying for anybody anymore. You, anybody can die for themselves. So he changed his confession. What am I saying this morning? If you are going to benefit from anything you do in life, loyalty has to be involved. Hallelujah. Whether it's to your career, whether it's to your ministry, whether it's to your business, whether it's to your marriage, in whatever you set your hands to do, loyalty has to be involved. For you to understand the benefit of loyalty, we are going to examine the text that we read this morning from Ruth chapter 1. The Bible says in Ruth chapter 1 from verse 1 and 2 that there was famine in the land and a man called Elimelech took his wife and two sons and went down to Moab. He left Bethlehem and went down to Moab. It is funny because Bethlehem actually means house of bread. So Elimelech left the house of bread to a place where there was no bread. And there are some decisions you make in your life that does not only affect you, but affects everybody around you. Don't make decisions based on difficulties or based on circumstances. If you are such a person who is quick to make decisions when things begin to get difficult, you are always going to get disappointed. In verse 3 and 5, the Bible says Elimelech's sons died, Malon and Kilion. Elimelech died, and his sons, Malon and Kilion, got married to two ladies called Ruth and Orpah. And shortly after, the two sons also died. And some people suggest that if Elimelech had stayed in Bethlehem, perhaps the sons would not have died. Maybe he himself would not have died. But because he went to a place that suggests that he went out of God's grace, he died, his sons died, and left the wife Naomi as a widow. 
Like I said, every decision you make has consequences. But there are some decisions you make that will affect not only you, but people surrounding your life. Don't follow after opportunities. Some people, when they hear, let's say you're in Virginia, you're working in Virginia, and somebody gives you a rumor that there's jobs paying in North Dakota. You are not very sure of what they are saying. You assemble all your family, and you travel. When you get there, you start seeing the consequences of that decision. A friend of mine was telling me how he moved one time from Virginia. I don't know whether to South Carolina or to North Carolina, because they said that life was cheaper over there, and everything was good over there. He says after the move, he realized that the environment was not the same like Virginia. He said, Virginia may be expensive, but it's the best place to raise kids. He said, one day he came back from work, and he found his boy in the house smoking with some group of boys. He said, this is the boy that I've never ever seen close to a packet of cigarettes. But when they moved from Virginia to wherever they moved, he found his son smoking. And he told the wife, next month we are going back to Virginia. The wife refused, he packed his things and came back, and a few months after, the wife followed him back here. There are places you go, there are decisions you make that will affect not only you, but everybody around your life. And this is what I say. Don't pursue after food. If all you are looking for in this life is what to eat, you are miserable. If all you are looking for is how you can eat, you'll be miserable. But let me tell you something. When you pursue food, you will miss your purpose. But when you pursue your purpose, you will find food to eat. Can I say that again? When you pursue your purpose, you will find food to eat. But if you pursue food, you will miss your purpose. There are people that are eating food. They have enough to eat, but they don't have no fulfillment because they are out of their purpose. But when you pursue your purpose, there you will find food to eat. Now take for example... If I had to pursue what I wanted to do as a young man, I would not be a pastor. And I would not be satisfied. But when I decided to become a pastor, I fulfilled my purpose and I have food to eat. I could have food to eat in any other career, but not be fulfilling what God has called me to do. Every child of God is called to do something. Go after your purpose and not after opportunities. Is somebody hearing me? Go after your purpose and not after opportunities. Because you can have the greatest opportunity but have no sense of fulfillment. There is a joy when somebody is doing what they were called to do. There is a peace when somebody is doing what they were called to do. Hallelujah. And the Bible says, Naomi told her daughters-in-law after the two sons died, that go back to your people. And the Bible says, she kissed them. And they all wept aloud. They all cried because this was a moment of separation. Now you have to understand that by culture, these two ladies were bound to Naomi. Because back in those days, when you got married to that a family, it's like you were, you were brought into that family. You, were, you became a member of that family after your marriage. So according to the customs and cultures of this place, these two daughters were supposed to stay with Naomi because they were now members of this family. So when Naomi told them to go back to their parents, this was an official separation. It was like a letter of separation from, from the military. You are free. You can now go and do whatever you want to do as a civilian. This is what Naomi was doing to these young ladies. And when I look at this scripture, I think about some African families. Their, their brother was married to a lady. 
and the brother died. But the family is still controlling that lady like their brother is still alive. For example, a man, a man married a girl and a man died. Five years after, the young lady found another man and is deciding to move on. Then the sister to the man came and said, you can't even mourn your husband for 10 years. What is your problem? Our husband has not even decayed in the grave. You are moving on. So you killed our brother so you could have another man. People think that because you are married to a family, you've been sentenced to life in that family. Like you cannot do anything after your husband dies. But looking at Naomi, how she was willing to treat her daughter-in-law, willing to let them go, it tells me she was a woman with a good heart. I speak to every woman here. If you are a mother-in-law or you become a mother-in-law, please be a good mother-in-law. Because it is often said that most mother-in-laws are always considered wicked. It's either they are a witch or they are wicked. And sometimes even when they are Christian, they act the same. Once they step into their daughter's house or their son's house, it's like witchcraft start manifesting. But I speak to every woman. If you are a child of God, a woman of God, be a good mother-in-law in the name of Jesus. I said, be a good mother-in-law. And the daughter said to Naomi, we are not leaving you. We are going to stay with you. We are going to follow you. And Naomi said, look, you have to go back to your people because even if I had a husband tonight and had a child tonight, are you going to wait for them to grow up so you can marry them and have husbands again? Say, please go back to your people. Like I said, according to this culture, any man from Naomi's family would take one of these ladies as wives. But Naomi was willing to release them, to give them a second chance. Like, go, move on with your life. You can have sons, you can have another husband and continue your life. You are not bound to me. You can move on. Another reason was because Naomi was too fed up with life she had lost her husband and now lost her sons. And she did not want to be responsible for these two girls because if these two girls went with Naomi, then Naomi will be responsible over them. So Naomi wanted some kind of peace and liberty from them. Like go, find your own life, look for something to do, get married, have children, and feel free. And the Bible says when they said this, they wept aloud. Naomi kissed them. And then the, the other lady called Opa kissed the mother-in-law and said, bye-bye. And she left. But Ruth stayed with the mother-in-law and said, look, I'm not going to leave you for no reason. Now, these three women in this text illustrate three kinds of people in life. This is a message for another day. But let me give you the clue to this. Opa represents people who easily quit when difficulties show up. The moment the mother-in-law said, bye-bye, I guess in the mouth, oh, this is an opportunity. I was thinking that she was going to take me to Israel and give me to one of her family members as a wife. But now this is an opportunity for me to go, you know, have my life back. And she left. People that are not, are not willing to persist or insist or persevere. Anytime difficulties show up, they surrender. Then you have Naomi in this text who represent people who feel that God has not been fair to them. Because when you read the scriptures going down, after Naomi arrives in Jerusalem, and the women came and said, is this really Naomi? And she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because the Lord has dealt with me bitterly. And if you read chapter 2 of this text, after Naomi went back to Bethlehem, she never left the house. It was Ruth who went out to look for food so they could eat. She felt that God had dealt with her so severely, and she was so discouraged 
that she never knew, she never thought that she could move on with her life. There's some people who think that because of the background they come from, because of the country where God sent them, because of the family where God sent them, because of the circumstances that God has allowed them to go through, they are disadvantaged in life and they cannot move on in their life. So they just fold their arms and stay without thinking about what tomorrow holds. Then the third category is people that are, that are seen in this text in the, like Lulu Ruth, who don't easily give up. Who say, I am going to go all the way to the end to see what God has for me. Is somebody hearing me? Ruth says, I am not going to quit. I am not going to separate from my mother-in-law. I'm going to go all the way to the end to see what the Lord has for me. I want to tell you, if you are going to see the blessings that God has for you, you have to go all the way to the end. Hallelujah. You have to go all the way to the end. Opa left, but Naomi said to Ruth, I mean, Ruth said to Naomi, don't ask me to leave you or to turn back from following you. Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And he says, he says, the Lord do so to me and more so also if anything but death separates me from you. The Bible says when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined, she stopped asking her to leave. There are three things from this text that reveals the loyalty of Ruth that we can copy as leaders. And I want to first of all establish that your, your loyalty first is to God. Every loyalty you can manifest is a reflection of your loyalty to God. If you are not loyal to God himself, you cannot be loyal to anybody or anything. If you are not loyal to God first, you cannot be loyal to your husband, you cannot be loyal to your wife, you cannot be loyal at your job, you cannot be loyal to your mission. Because your loyalty to God is going to affect how you are loyal to anything you do on this surface of the earth. Hallelujah. So your loyalty first is to God. The first thing we're going to see that Ruth displays in the confession she makes to her mother-in-law is loyalty to the mission. She says, where you go, I will go. In other words, there is no place you are going to go that I will not go with you. Loyalty to the mission. Now, when we bring it to the context as a church, this church has a mission. Who can recite the mission statement of this church for for a, for, a, for a dinner, for a free dinner this afternoon. Who can recite the mission statement of this church for a free dinner this afternoon? <laughs> Grace, can you recite? <laughs> recite let me here. <laughs> who can recite the mission statement of this church for a free dinner after church? So you are part of something, you don't even know what is, what is going on. <laughs> This church has a mission. Loyalty says that where this church is going, I am willing to go. That is loyalty. If this church decides now that we are moving from this location, maybe 10 miles away from where we, we are now, are you still going to be a member of the church? Are you here because of proximity or you are here because of loyalty? You know, I know people that once a church moves, then they are Attachment to that church is cut off. Where the church used to be somewhere close to my house, but now that the church moved, it's very far from me. I can't go to church anymore. So because of that, their loyalty to God or to the church is disconnected because 
They are not loyal to the mission of that church. When you are loyal to a thing, it doesn't matter how far it goes. You are willing to go no matter where it goes. And I say this, the standard of your loyalty is measured by how far you can go. The standard of your loyalty is measured by how far you can go. There are churches in Nigeria, like Winners Chapel that is found in Ota, where they call Canaan Land. The drive from the city to that place is, the, is like driving to another town. And people drive there every Sunday and every midweek service, back and forth for church service. This is what I call loyalty. But there are people that if you move the church two miles away from their home, now they go, well, I'm, I'll change church because I can no longer go that far. Because they were not loyal to that mission in the first place. When you are loyal to a mission, you are saying that it doesn't matter where this thing goes. I am willing to go no matter where this thing goes. I am willing to follow. You know, I, I, I work with people and I see families or friends who drive two hours every week to go visit their boyfriend or to go visit their child or to go visit their family. But they cannot drive one hour every week for church. There are people that drive two hours every week for, for work. Two hours to go, two hours to come back. I had a friend who worked in Ashburn. He came from Stanford every day. He would leave the house at 4.30 in the morning and drive to work. And leave by 3.30 every day. Sometimes he gets home by 7 o'clock. There are people that can undergo this commute. But if a church is 45 minutes away from their house, it's too far. It's because there's no loyalty. When you are loyal to a mission, it doesn't matter how far that thing goes, you are willing to follow. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Loyalty. Ruth was not only able to leave the family, she was able to leave her family, leave her town, leave her country to a country she's never been in because she saw a mission. She saw something supernatural that she was not willing to abandon. Hallelujah. Loyalty demands sacrifice. If you are going to be loyal to a mission, sacrifice is inevitable. Is somebody hearing me? You don't go to church because it's convenient. You go to church because you are loyal to the mission of that church. You don't go to church because it's close to your house. You go because God is calling you to serve in that church. The other day I was watching this man of God in, 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 on YouTube called Stephen Ferry, who is a pastor of Elevation Church. And a, a pastor was preaching in his church who was giving the testimony how the church began. They were in, in another state. And when God gave the vision to this man of God, there were eight families that sold their houses and quit their jobs and moved with him to North Carolina to start that church. Can you imagine that? The Lord says to you now as you're sitting here, sell your house in Virginia. Quit your job. Move to California to go start a church. Many are going to say, God forbid, I rebuke that voice, I silence that devil. Because you are not loyal to anything. When you are loyal to a mission or a thing, you are willing to go no matter how far God demands. Hallelujah. Loyalty. When I was fellowshiping at the Grace Covenant Church, the way they plant churches there is that the pastor who is going to plant the church will be introduced to the church and they give the church one year for people to pray if they want to join the church plant. And the demand is this. People have to quit their jobs and move to a new state to go plant the church. This is what I call loyalty. Now, some people cannot drive for one hour to church on Sunday, but others are willing to sell their houses, quit their jobs, disconnect from their friends, 
remove their children from daycare, from their school, or whatever they were doing to another state for the sake of God. This is what I call loyalty. Is anybody hearing me? If you are going to be, be if you are going to benefit from what God has for you in this life, you have to be loyal. Loyal to the mission. Amen. Loyal to the mission. If you are a member of New Bridge Christian Church, and you are not loyal to the mission of this church, you cannot benefit anything from this church. If you want to see what God can do for you through this church, you have to be loyal to the mission of this church. Number two, loyal to the community. Ruth said, your people shall be my people. In other words, you cannot be loyal to a community, I mean to the mission of a thing, and you, you are not loyal to the people who are involved in that mission. It's most like saying that I like honey, but I hate bees. That's not possible. You cannot like honey, but hate bees. You know, if you have ever known how the military operates, once you sign up for the military, you are loyal to America, for example, but you are also loyal to the soldiers that work in your team. In other words, if we went out for, for an ambush or anything, and one of our soldiers was left, they don't go. They have to struggle to get that person that was captured because they are loyal to the community of soldiers where they are placed. Is anybody hearing me? They are loyal. If, I, if, you, if you enter into an argument today with a military gun, let's say you were walking down the street and something happened between and you, somebody, somebody to you and a military guard, and then their friends came. When they arrived, they are not going to judge the case to see who was wrong. They beat you first. It doesn't matter whether their friend was wrong or right. They will defend the military guy before even asking what happened. Because when you are loyal to a mission, you are also loyal to the people involved in that mission. What am I saying here? You cannot be loyal to a church or a mission and you are not engaged in the things that are done in that church. Take, for example, you come to church. It's okay, we are going to visit a sister after church. Well, I don't have time. We are going to do this. You don't have time. You are not loyal because when you are loyal to a mission, you have to be loyal to the people that are in that mission. But if your friend, your ex-classmate, or your family sister, or your cousin's friend had a baby shower in North Carolina, you are willing to drive. But when it's a sister in the same church that you pledge loyalty to have that same baby shower, you don't have time. You have to be loyal to the people of that mission. Is somebody hearing me? When I say you are my brother or my sister, I'm not just saying it because the Bible says so. I am saying it because in the true sense, you are my brother and you are my sister. Amen. Loyal to the people in that commission. We are contributing for a sister that is sick. You don't have. But if they call you after the church service, now that your grandmother's friends, uncle's neighbor's child is sick in your country, you go to money grandma and send the money. You're not loyal. When I'm loyal to the community of people that I belong to, I see them as my own. I see them as my brothers and sisters in the true sense. Not just, well, oh brother, I really hear what you're saying. I, I feel your pain, but I don't have, I'm praying for you. But if the same person from your family made that same request, you have money to give. Loyalty is when we start seeing ourselves in the true sense of brothers and sisters, that's when the benefit comes. Do you know why Ananias and Sapphira were killed? Because they pledged loyalty to a commission, to a community 
The agreement was that everybody sells everything they have and bring it to the apostles' feet so they can give it to the poor. And they said yes. And when they sold everything they had, they kept the path. They kept a portion of it. And when the apostles asked them, is it everything they say yes, the man fell down and died. Few minutes after the wife came, and I also preached a message from this text about late coming. And I said, maybe if the wife was there and saw what happened to her husband, she would have said, hey, hey, I, 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 I confess, I confess. But since she was late to church, she came at 10.30 when service had already started. She, didn't, she did not know what happened before. And when they asked her, she lied the same lie. Then she died also. Because they pledged loyalty to the community, but did not keep that loyalty. There are people who move from church to church, don't have any place to call home. You need to come to a place where you say, this is my church. Hallelujah. I am a member of New Breed Christian Church. I can visit other churches, but this is where I call home. Is anybody hearing me? This is where I call home. There is something I've been explaining that I need you to understand. My wife mentioned it this morning. There is something called covering. There is something the Spirit called covering. Now, when I'm praying as a pastor saying, Oh God, bless Nubri. Who am I praying for? I'm asking you a question. Who am I praying for? The members of Nubri. I'm not praying for those who come here on Sunday. I'm praying for those who say Nubri is their church. So you cannot reap the benefits of any church if you are a Sunday visitor. That you move from church to church. This Sunday you are there. This, you, you are not part of any of those families. Listen, it doesn't matter how long you stay in a man's family, you, you don't become his child. Am I saying the truth? Unless you are adopted and papers are signed, you don't belong to that family. There was an incident where a brother in Cameroon, in a church, died. He went for an all night in one church. He used to be a musician, very good musician. I don't know when she, he started playing the music, he felt he was too big for the church, and the church was not honoring him the way they needed to honor him. So he went to another church where they were honoring him. Every time he plays, the pastor would give him money after church service. And he felt that that is where he was celebrated and he left the church. Now, when he went to this church, he was just there because of music. And the church also knew that the only reason why he was here was because of music. And the church did not take him as a member. And back in the church where he left, the church knew that he left the church. One day he went for an all night. On his way coming back, armed robbers attacked him and killed him. Guess what? The funeral was deserted because the church he was playing music for said, well, he's not our member. Then the church where he left said, well, he left us. So nobody was able to identify with the body because he was not loyal to the community. Just walking around playing music because anywhere I go and they pay me, that's where I'll be. You have to have a place where I say, this is my home. This is my church. Hallelujah. Not like where you are, but oh, this Sunday I'm going to Winners Chapel. The others I'm going to redeem. The other I'm going to baptize. No. You have a place where you have to call home. Hallelujah. A place where you say, this is my home. Is somebody hearing me this morning? I said, is somebody hearing me this morning? You have to be loyal to a community. Where you call home. So this is what they call covering. When I pray, I say, oh God, every member of Newbridge favor them. What am I praying for? I'm not praying for those who are seen. I'm praying for those who are members of this church. So even though you come here every Sunday, you are like a neighbor's child trying to eat somebody else's food. You know what, you, what, you know what happens in our houses? When we cook, our priority is to feed our children. Then if a neighbor's child is around, we give the neighbor's child. 
But we're not going to make sure the neighbors try it three times a day because that is not our responsibility. Is somebody hearing me? Spiritually speaking, when God is blessing a church, God is blessing the members who are contributing to the growth and commission of that church. He's not blessing those who come on Sunday. So you need to find a place where you can call home and you say, this is where I belong. And be loyal to that place. Hallelujah. You can go visit when somebody invites you to bed. You say, this is where I belong. There are people in a, in a month, they visit five churches. And their pastor don't know where they've gone. You are not loyal to any community. You have to find a place where you can call, this is my home. Hallelujah. And the last area you have to be loyal is to be loyal to your leader. Naomi said, where you die, I will die. And where you lodge, I will lodge. He said, may the Lord deal with me so severely, if, only, if, if not only death separates you from me. That such a loyalty that Ruth was pledging to the mother-in-law. Listen, every mission is headed by a leader. And God places leaders at the head of missions. And if you are going to be loyal to that mission, you also have to be loyal to the leader of that mission. And I say this, your loyalty to God is a mirror of your loyalty to a leader. A man cannot be loyal to a leader if they are not loyal to God. Is somebody hearing me? Take for example, I've seen cases where somebody comes to church and the pastor gives an instruction, say, hey, do this. And the person, hey, I don't hear what that pastor is saying. I'm only hearing what God is saying. So you believe that God cannot use that, your leader to talk to you. And you can hear from God directly something that will contradict what your leader is saying to you. When you are loyal to your leader, you know that God is using this man to bless me. God is using this man to direct me. So whatever instructions he gives you, you receive it as it's coming from God. Except that the leader is saying something that hourly contradicts the scriptures. That is when you say, no, I cannot follow that. But if a leader is giving an instruction, you say, I cannot do it. Or take, for example, the leader says, everybody stand. You say, I'm not standing. The Lord is telling me to sit. That's not loyalty. You have to be loyal to the leader. And the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about this is Islam. If you mention Muhammad's name carelessly, Muslims are willing to kill you for their leader. But Christians can be in a bus and somebody is insulting Jesus. Nobody even says nothing. They stay, nobody wants to even identify themselves in that moment when there is that tension. They just stay quiet. Christians have been killed because they preach and mention the name of Muhammad carelessly. And any time a Muslim mention, mention the name of Muhammad, they say, peace be upon his soul. They must say that. Even, even they are making a statement, they say, Muhammad, peace be upon his soul. When Muhammad, peace, peace be upon his soul, went to Mecca, Muhammad, they must say that because there is an honor that they give to the leader. Hallelujah. God places leaders at the head of every mission. And this is what happens in the spirit realm. Every time God wants to change the life of a man, God sends that man a prophet. Anytime God wanted to do something for the Israelites, he sent them a prophet. Anytime God wanted to deliver Israel, he sent them a prophet. Now their deliverance was not based on God. It was based on their obedience to that prophet. All Israel needed to do to get into the promised land was to obey what Moses was saying. If they refused to obey Moses, then their journey to the promised land was in jeopardy because God placed Moses on that mission. If you obey my servant, whatever he says, I'm taking you to the promised land. So if you are not loyal to the leader, 
of the mission that you submit to, that you, 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 you profess allegiance to, you cannot reap the benefits of that mission. I've seen cases in the church where a pastor comes to preach in the church like this. They invite a pastor on Sunday. And after the pastor finishes preaching, he goes into the lobby and takes the telephone numbers of members of that church. Then after he goes, he starts calling them and counseling them. And their members are sending him offerings. Who are you loyal to? Is it your pastor or the one that came and preached for you one Sunday? And gave you a prophecy. Now you feel that because the pastor came and preached to you and gave you a word, you are not loyal to him. To the point that the pastor who is not a member, who is not even in the town, is giving you directions as to what you can do every Sunday. After a message like this, you call him. Man of God, my pastor said something to you that I didn't really understand. I want to ask you. And whatever he clarifies is what you take. Who are you loyal to? You are loyal to a mission, but you are not loyal to the leader of that mission. It's a contradiction. Somebody said, if you go to a church and you don't like the pastor of that church, you might, you might as well change the church. Like they say, the easiest way for you to understand mathematics is to like the teacher. If you don't like the teacher teaching math, there is no way you can explain anything and you understand because anytime he's on the board, your dislike for him will shadow everything that you can understand from that subject. If you like somebody first, Whatever they explain becomes easy because you have that natural attraction to them. So if you are part of a mission, and you are not loyal to the leader of that mission, then you cannot benefit anything because it is him that God is using to bless that mission. Is anybody hearing me? I have Christians who will go to a man of God somewhere and sow seeds. I mean, we go for conferences, like when we have big conferences in town interdenominational conferences that all churches are coming. And then the pastor who come from Nigeria is preaching. And after preaching fire and everything, and he says, I want people in this place to come up for $1,000. And I'm surprised that some of my members that I don't even know they have food to eat. They are going out to go give $1,000. So they have this money. And we are struggling with church building. They can't contribute. We are struggling to do things in church. They can't, but when a man of God comes from somewhere else, they are willing to give. Who are you loyal to? You have to be loyal to your leader. Then there are others who see a man of God online. And instead of giving their offering to the church, they start sending their offering to that man of God. Then when you come to church on Sunday like this and you say, let's give to the Lord, you don't have. But in the morning, you already send your offering to Zimbabwe. Because somebody gave you a prophecy through Facebook. Now your offerings go to Zimbabwe. Who are you loyal to? If that man of God meets you face to face, does he know you? No. The one that is laboring and praying for you every Sunday, you've never given an offering. But you feel that God is going to bless you when you send your offering to somebody who doesn't know you, who doesn't know your problem. When I went to Texas to preach, I met a lot of people who knew me in Texas, but I don't know them. They said, oh, Pastor Gala, we see you on Facebook. I said, yeah, but I don't know you. I'm not loyal to them. They don't know me. I don't even pray for them because I don't know them. Those I pray for are those I see every Sunday. So if you are loyal to somebody who doesn't know you, you're wasting your time. You have to be loyal to your leader. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Am I speaking to somebody this morning? I said, am I speaking to somebody this morning? If we are going to be leaders, people that will affect our nations, loyalty must be our portion. 
The Bible says that when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined, she stopped asking Ruth to leave her. I say this to close. Loyalty is a product of determination. You don't do it because you are available or because the church is closed or because it's convenient. You do it because you are determined. Because if you are not determined, things are always going to happen to distract you from that mission. Take, for example, I know churches where, let me call this popular example. Some few years ago, a lady came out on the internet and accused Apostle Suleiman of having an affair with him. Many of you know that story, right? Some members of Apostle Suleiman's church were criticizing him on the internet too. Without even knowing the facts in the matter. One year after, the same lady came to the church and cried, Man of God, forgive me. How will you feel if you criticize your pastor on the internet for Romo? And then the person who brought the Romo came and confessed. You are not loyal to your leader. Because if you know your leader, you know the things he can do and the things he cannot do. Even though you will not fully defend him, you know, I, I doubt if he can do this. I'm going to stand with him until it is proven guilty. That is loyalty. And there were people who went on the internet insulting him. He's a fake man of God. And because of what the man of the daily said, they ought to discover that it was a lie. When you're loyal to a leader, you're willing to defend that leader. I know Christians who gossip their pastor. How, you, how can you have a pastor you gossip your pastor? And you expect that when, you, when, you start, when he starts with something, he blesses you. You speak against him in secret and you expect to bless, bless you publicly. It doesn't work like that. Now I'm saying these things to you, not because I want you to favor me. I want you to favor because these are spiritual principles. That if I don't teach you the truth, you may be sitting here every Sunday, moving from place to place, wondering why your life is not changing because you are not doing what God is asking you to do. Hallelujah. You need to be under an umbrella. If you've ever been under an umbrella before, like sometimes when we left school and it starts to rain, and only one of our classmates had an umbrella, everybody tries to squeeze themselves under the umbrella because they don't want to get wet. This is the picture of covering. If you are out of that umbrella, you're going to get wet, regardless. But if you are under that umbrella, when the rain begins to fall, it, miss, it doesn't touch you because you are covered. Is someone hearing me? I was watching a testimony the other day of a lady who left the church and a man of God prayed for the church. And when she got on her way, an accident, I mean, arm robbers attacked the vehicle. And the arm robbers shot the vehicle and the bullets could not penetrate. And they called the lady out. They asked her, which church do you go to? When she mentioned the name of the church and her pastor, the arm robbers ran away. <laughs> covering, covering. If she was not covered by a church, she would have been wasted. But she identified with the church. She had the wristband of that church. She had the sticker of the church on her chest. That is someone who is proud to belong to a community. When she, the Amrabah saw where she belonged to, they said, we cannot tamper with this man of God. They left her alone. But imagine they asked you, which, which church do you belong to? Well, I don't really know because last month I was in Winner's Chapel. Then this month I was in Redeem. So maybe next month I'll decide where to go. Amen. Amen. And as I close, the benefits. Now see what happened. When Ruth followed Naomi all the way to Bethlehem, she arrived back to him and said, let me go to the field and harvest some leftovers. While she was in the field, there was a handsome, wealthy man who was the owner of that field. I said, who is that damsel? Please 
Make inquiry about her and let me know. And after he investigated, Naomi, I mean Ruth, actually became the wife of Boaz. And not only that, let somebody stand up and read Matthew chapter 1. Let's see another benefit that Ruth obtained as a result of her loyalty to Naomi. Let's read Matthew chapter 1. Just start from verse 1 and be reading. Just start from verse 1 and be reading. The fastest person to read gets the blessing. Matthew chapter 1, start from verse 1. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Pause. Of whose genealogy? Of whose genealogy? Of Jesus. Meaning that they are about to mention those who brought Jesus to this earth. Brother Reed. The son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was, was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminadab. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Whose mother was who? Whose mother was who? This woman just ended. This lady followed. Not only did she get a good, wealthy, handsome husband, but she also became one of Jesus' grandparents. Continue. Let's see until we get to Jesus. Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jordan. Jordan, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Ammon, Ammon, the father of Josiah, and Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abiu, Abiu, the father of Elikim, Elikim, the father of Azul, Azul, the father of Zadok, Zadok, the father of Akim, Akim, the father of Eliu, Eliu, the father of Eliza, Eliza, the father of Martha, Martha, the father of Jacob, and Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, if this lady has stayed like the, like the other sister-in-law, we should have been mentioned in this text. Nothing is said about Opa. After she kissed her mother-in-law, that, is what it, what, that was her end. But because this one continued, she remarried and became a part of Jesus' lineage. May I say to you, God is writing a story. You want to be part of that story. I say God is writing a story. You want to be part of that story. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The lawyer you are to a mission... When God writes the story of that mission, 
You'll be part of that mission. You'll be part of that story. So this morning, I want to pray with you that God will help you to be loyal. Amen. God will help you to be loyal. I was talking to somebody online and he's complaining to me about this bad. I said, have you spoken to your pastor? He said, no. I said, go talk to your pastor. I'm not your pastor. I don't, can, I don't, I don't, do, I don't do contract counseling. I cancel Christians. Not, I don't contract to cancel other people's Christians. If something is wrong with you, go to your pastor. <laughs> Hallelujah. It doesn't make me a great man of God to counsel other people's Christians. It's like, if your daughter had a problem, and you found out your daughter told your neighbor and didn't tell you, will you be happy? Or your daughter was pregnant and your daughter didn't tell you, but your neighbors know. Go tell your mother first. Hallelujah. God is calling for loyal people. Amen. People that are willing to stand for this commission. People that are willing to live among this community and glorify the name of the Lord. And at the end, you will not miss the benefit. I want you to bow your heads and talk to the Lord. I don't know what you heard this morning. But there is something you heard that you need to talk to God about. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you. Ask God to help you.